The following message is from Hope Church in Las Vegas, Nevada. We exist to connect people to live the life of a Jesus follower. More information about Hope Church can be found at hopechurchonline.com. Good to see you. Wasn't the rain great today? Oh, I just wanted to just run out there in the rain, but I had to preach, so I didn't. But I wanted to. We continue our study in the book of Psalms, and it is a privilege and an honor to speak to you tonight. And as we've been going through this, we've been talking about Psalms being the blues of the Bible, and I have to admit, I'm, I'm, I like the blues, but I don't know much about the blues. I, I just don't. I'm kind of an 80s guy and uh, glam rock, uh, Def Leppard, Van Halen, those are mine, I admit it, I confess with all my heart, probably not the best music to listen to, but um, but you know there's some songs in the 80s that we would consider classics. Tonight we're going to look at an eternal classic. It's an eternal classic in all of history, it's Psalm 96, you can turn there in your Bibles. And look at those classics. But in the 80s, we had some classics, and then we had some songs that we thought would be classics, and they never really became classics. Um, I remember cruising down Scottsdale Boulevard, windows rolled down in 1984, listening to some songs. And, you know, I had a great stereo. And, you know, when, when, when you get a great stereo and you get your car and you roll down the windows, I mean, you, you feel like you're on top of the world, right? And, I listened to all kinds of songs that I thought were classics. I remember listening to Electric Avenue by Eddie Grant. Uh, how many of you have never heard of Electric Avenue? Okay, you've never heard of it. Okay, that's not a classic. How many of you have heard of Electric Avenue? Great. Let me just admit, I'm not going to be going down Las Vegas Boulevard with the windows rolled down playing Electric Avenue. It just didn't make it. It kind of faded away. And then there are other songs. Some songs fade away. Other songs uh, that you love, they just broke in the 80s. Let me explain. We used to have these things called cassettes. And if you played a song long enough, it would literally break. I remember listening to Chicago 17, and I loved breaking up with girls so I could listen to Chicago 17. It just made me feel good, you know? Um, and if you've never listened to Chicago 17, listen, you'll understand. And I remember there was one song called Hard Habit to Break. And I listened to that song over and over. And one night, it broke. It just broke. And that's what happens to some songs, right? It just breaks. So some fade away. Other songs break. But there is an eternal song that remains forever. And we see this in Psalm 96. For those of you that have been doing the reading, we've looked at Psalm 91 through 97 this week. And yesterday was... Psalm 96, and I want to start in verse 4. We really get to the heart of this chapter and the why we sing, not just why we sing at church, not just why we sing in life, but why all eternity sings, whether you are a person that breathes or whether you are creation, everything, all creation, every single person worships this one topic, Psalm 96, verse 4. It says, For great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the peoples are idols. I love verse 
5 there where it says God's lower G, the true meaning of that word there in verse 5 is good for nothing gods. You see, for all the good for nothing gods of the peoples are idols. But the Lord made the heavens, splendor and majesty are before him, strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Great is the Lord. He's surrounded by his strength and his beauty. It's all about him. Everything exists by him and for him. And that is the very central part of all eternity is God. Psalm 96.11 is a central verse not only in the Bible, it actually is the center part of your Bible. That's a little Bible trivia for you, by the way. Psalm 96.11, very center of the Bible says, let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that it contains. Let the field exult and all that is in it. Let all the trees of the forest, they will sing for joy. I was in the mountains this past week and I was reading this, this chapter and I came to that verse and literally I heard the trees worship. You ever been in the mountains and just not even listening to any music, and I just heard the trees worship. The wind was blowing through the trees, and literally it was a worship service right there in the forest. That is exactly what this passage means, that even creation sings and worships. We're invited to join in on worship, but let me just give you a little secret. With or without your worship, God is worshiped. Whether you decide to join in with your life or not, there is an eternal song that is going on. It was here before you got here. It will continue before when you leave, and it is also going on right now, and that is the eternal song of God, and he invites us to join in with his creation in this worship. And then there was a response to who he is, and we pick this up in verse 1. Sometimes in these psalms, you... it's a little out of order because that's kind of how songs play. Sometimes you start with the chorus and then it goes to the verse and vice versa. And we come to the response that we have in verse 1. It's a powerful, powerful response that we are to do because of who he is, because of his greatness, because he is mighty, because this eternal song goes on forever. It says, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. King David is the director. He's the worship leader. And the setting of this you see in 1 Chronicles 16. You see it in Psalm 97, 98 as well in this psalm. And there's a worship service that's going on. It's actually a dedication. And here David is here with the tabernacle, in the midst of the tabernacle with all the musicians And they are here before the Ark of the Covenant, the very presence of God. And they are worshiping God. And not only is he directing them in the dedication, he is literally declaring in this chapter something that even the people there in that presence didn't understand at the moment, but they would. And we surely do thousands of years later. We understand what he is declaring. He is literally declaring that forever and ever there is going to be a new song. There is going to be a Messiah that comes. There is going to be a kingdom of God that will rain down and all barriers will be broken. And this Messiah will proclaim freedom for all. That everything 
that you are dealing with, that I am dealing with, there is going to be a salvation that comes to us. There's going to be a salvation that comes to every nation, every tribe, every tongue. And personally, you and me, we are going to experience this salvation. And the salvation comes in the Messiah. And we now know who that is. And it was Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus Christ, everything that happens in eternity happened on the cross. When we sang, it is finished, it was finished right there at the cross. Everything that we've ever dealt with, everything that kept us from God was solved there at the cross. When Jesus Christ said to Telestai, it is finished. When it, when it happened there at the cross, everything that was a barrier between us and God was severed. And we now had right relationship with him. We had right relationship with each other. And forever and ever, we would proclaim the good news goes on to say later, for great is the Lord and he's greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. This psalm is a great mission psalm in the Old Testament that we read that talks about the proclamation of the good news of Jesus Christ forever and ever in every nation. So the first point I want to give you tonight, we're going to jump right on in. God has given you a new song to sing. God has given you a song to sing. Have you ever received Jesus Christ as your Savior? If you've never received Jesus as your Savior, you've heard other people sing this song. You've heard other people talk about this story of how he can save you, but it's not the same. This eternal song, when you receive this song, will change your life. For others of you, maybe you received Jesus Christ at an early age or maybe at camp, but you've begun to drift away. You've begun to Sing some other tunes of life. You know those tunes that we sing that really don't stack up to Jesus, but we, we, we sing them anyways. We sing about maybe making some money or going to school to get a, get a degree to go make more money. Or maybe we sing a tune about being a, a godly dad and raising a good family, and that's a good tune, but it's, it's not the same tune. Maybe we sing a tune about just having a good career to give some good and maybe pay it forward and do some good in the world. And that, that's a good tune, but I'm not talking about that tune either. I'm talking about the, the song of Jesus. Jesus says, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. He's not against family, but you first go to him. And he will give you the family that he chooses. Those of you that are single, he's not against giving you a boyfriend or girlfriend. Aren't you glad about that? Those of you that are unmarried, he's not against that. But he's first and foremost interested in you aligning your life up with his song, his story. And he will give you everything you need. You see, every other song will fade away. Only his song Remains. I personally have experienced this in my life, and I want to just unpack this for a few minutes. Some of you have seen me and from a distance, and I want to tell you about my story for a moment. I want to tell you that God has given me a new song to sing. I accepted Christ when I was 13 years old at camp, and for a few years during the, the high school years of life, I, I began to drift away from God, like, like many people that grow up in the church. I mean, I tell you, I was at church all the time, but I spent very little time with Jesus. Always at church, little time with Jesus, and I began to drift away. And at age 18, I, I came to a service similar to like this. It was at night, and it was during a revival. 
I don't know if anybody's ever heard of a revival. How many of you have ever heard of a revival? Okay, you, it, revival, we, it was a week-long thing. Seldom did revival ever break out, but, but it was a revival and good preaching, good music. And I was singing in the choir, and uh, we had choir robes, and I was singing tenor, and my mom, I was sitting next to my mom. I remember it like it was yesterday, and she was alto, and I was tenor, and had some lime green choir robes that we were wearing, and the invitation was given. And uh, God was, was really tugging on my heart, and I came forward. I took the pastor by the hand, and he said, you know, Brian, I, I believe you're called to ministry. Is that why you're coming forward? And I, I didn't know. I mean, in ministry, there was only three things. There was the song leader, there was the preacher, and then there were those missionaries that we would send out. Those are the, those are the three choices. And I, I didn't know if I was going to be any of those three, but... I just felt God calling and tugging on my heart, and I came forward. He said, why don't you meet with me tomorrow, and let's talk. So we began to talk, and this, this pastor, great, great man, he, he loved me, but he unpacked some things based upon ministry rather than Jesus in my life. He said, you know what you need to do? You need to go to a good Christian school. I know you were going to, to that school. You need to go to this school. You need to get a good Christian education, get a good Christian degree. You will meet a great Christian girl at this school. And then you go to seminary. Don't go to that seminary. Go to this seminary. I mean, he had it all spelled out what I was going to do in life. For the next eight years, he unpacked it for me. Let me tell you, leaders, the power of your words are huge in the lives of people that are receiving it. Be careful what you tell them. I was listening to it. I was making notes. I did everything he said. I checked it off. I went to a Christian school. I, I, I found a, a, a girl that was the prettiest girl on campus, and she carried her Bible, and that's all I needed, right? And, and, and we got married, and we started our lives together. We had a child. We went to seminary. We had a child. We, we uh, joined a church where I was on staff at that church, and that church grew more in four years than it had in the previous 125 years. My wife had a, a good job. She got a better job. She was making a, a lot of money. By the time we were in our mid-20s, we were making six figures. That's a lot of money in the 90s. It's a lot of money now, but it was a lot of money then. We got a car, got another car, got a, got a house. We did the whole thing. We even, uh, even had another child, two, two children, two cars. We did all that. We lived the American dream by the time we were in our mid-20s. Got a call from a church in Florida, and the ministry life is similar to, to, to the business world. If you do well, you get calls, and I got a call from a larger church in Florida, and they had me come out, and they called it in view of a call. It's interesting, and I came, and the pastor took us up and put us up in a penthouse overlooking the Gulf of Mexico, and he put his arm around us, and, and he said, Brian, let me tell you something. Ministry does not get any better than this. There was something in my heart when he said that that was empty. My wife and I were really struggling in our relationship and our marriage. The two cars, they get dense and old, you know. The money that you have, you spend it really quick. And all the things that we were seeking really didn't satisfy us. When he said that, it just, it, it just didn't feel right. And God was working in my heart. He was moving, and I remember that conversation like it was yesterday, and six months later, he, he calls me into his office. He said, Brian, I need to talk to you. I, I need to talk to you about some real serious things, and I, and I want you to come to my office, and I don't want you to bring your wife. 
never good when you get a call from the pastor and he says, I went to meet with you, don't bring your wife. And we came in and the pastor was there and there was an elder that was sitting there. And, and as he unpacked some things that had been happening and my wife had confided in some people in the church that she'd had some relationships. She was in one in the, with another man at that time and she confided in them. And let me tell you, sometimes you confide and it's not confiding, you know, and it, it, it got out and... Um, it didn't take long before it made its way back to this pastor. And as he began to unpack what I was faced, I mean, I was sick in my stomach. I, everything that I'd worked towards was all coming to an end. I began to see it play out in this conversation. And he said, you forgive her? And he, he motioned to somebody and the door opened and, and it was my wife. And she came in and I didn't know what to do. Everything, all the, the singing that I'd been doing, the tunes that I'd been living in life were all stopping. And I looked at her, and she looked at me with tears in her eyes, and I said, yeah, I forgive her. And we set up some counseling sessions, very constructed, organized counseling sessions that were just about as sterile as I just, it sounds. And we went through them, and after a few months... It just wasn't working. December 16th, 1996, I was back in the choir. I was singing at a Christmas musical, and I was singing, and I was tired, and I came home, and there was a letter on my pillow from my wife stating that the marriage was over, that she was leaving for another man and taking my two kids with her. Everything had stopped. I went to the same beach that that pastor said, it doesn't get any better than this. I went to that beach, and that night I wasn't in the penthouse, I was there at the sand and I, and I walked down the sand and the, the darkness of the ocean was there and the magnitude of God's power and presence was there and I had lost it all. I'd lost the marriage and the ministry and the kids and everything and God spoke to me in that moment that the only thing I really had was himself, Jesus. And it was so real to me when the Holy Spirit spoke to me that I had Jesus, and this is what the Holy Spirit said to me, it doesn't get any better than this. Have you ever been there? Where Jesus is all you have? It was a great lesson for a mid-20s person to learn, and for some of you here tonight, you need to know this, that Jesus is all you need. Jesus, as Pastor Vance said a few weeks ago, is, is enough. He is enough. And as I listened to the Holy Spirit in that moment, I realized that I had lost everything. But let me tell you this. When all is lost and you only have Jesus, this is the fullest you will ever be. When all is lost and you only have Jesus, that's the fullest you'll ever be. I'm talking to, to single moms here tonight. When all is lost and you think that I don't have anything, but you have Jesus, that's the fullest you'll ever be. That's all you need. And I began to walk through, for the first time in my life, being discipled by men that taught me about the love of Jesus, 
that taught me about how you live in Christ rather than for Christ. And I stayed at that church. They graciously allowed me to stay at that church, which is unheard of in a Baptist megachurch setting. And I was able to walk and to serve at that church for two more years. And God spoke to me to, to go to, to Arizona. I thought it was to be closer to my two kids. By the time I got there, a few months later, my wife actually moved and, and married the man that she was in relationship with, took the kids. Again, devastated. But I, I believed with all my heart I was following God. And I was alone again. You know, when you take a step of faith, and then you take another step of faith, you can't rely on the last step of faith. you got to keep moving with the, the step of faith. And God will keep moving you. And I'll tell you, when, I remember when that happened, I remember just telling God, God, can you just stop the step of faith for a while, Right? Have you ever just said, God, just time out for just a few years, okay? I'm done just taking these steps of faith. But you see, God, God wants to lead you into more than just a gospel just for you. He has more for you. And I, I began to work at uh, Grand Canyon University in, in the area of leadership. And I was in a running club. And I remember running one day, and there was a girl that caught my eye. And, and uh, she was talking about Jesus. That's a good topic for a girl to be talking about. And she was talking about Jesus, and, and I was living in Christ and what he was doing. And, and I met Jessica there. She's the wife of 15 years. And we got married, and she's the godliest woman I've ever met. She had just come from a summer of really experiencing Christ in a very real way, where the Holy Spirit was moving in her life like never before. And we, we got married. And a few months later, we're, we're working at this university, and, and, and college students are coming to know Christ left and right, and we started a church. I don't recommend that when you get married, to go just plant a church within a few days, but, but we, we did. That was kind of our honeymoon. We just started a church, and uh, we didn't have Travis to hand us any moving expenses or anything like that. We, we, just, we just did it, you know, and uh, no nice tent or anything, and it was, it was so powerful to watch how God moved in our lives. You see, when God moves in your life, when you begin to sing a new song, singing a new song means new mercies, fresh mercies. When you begin to walk by faith and Jesus is everything you have, he begins to work in your life in such a way that life becomes fresh every single day. And so when I moved and I found Jessica and we got married, that's a fresh new mercy that God gave me. And then we walked in and we started a church, and that was new mercies that we were walking in. A few years later, we adopted Noah. Noah's our son by adoption, and we met the birth parents, and it's an open adoption. We know the birth parents, and God began to work in, in, in our lives with these birth parents, and they're walking in Christ right now in, in their lives as we minister to them, and, and Noah is our son, and we began to walk in that relationship with Noah, new mercies, and then something happened. A few years into that church plant, I got a call from Michael. Michael is the man that married my former wife. Now, I had gotten used to hating Michael. And I, I just admit that. We're being transparent, right? And I, I just, I hated him. You ever had anybody you just hated? He was, he was the one. You know, when Christmas has rolled around, I got every other Christmas. There was something in me that didn't like the fact that he was spending Christmas with my two older kids. I didn't like the fact that when I put the kids on an airplane and I left on the jetway that they were going to, to Michael. I, I, I didn't like them. And those of you that, that are in blended family situations, you know what I mean. And this is what Michael told me. He asked for forgiveness. 
He said that he had trusted Jesus, that he had accepted Jesus. And he didn't use these words, but this is what happened. He, he pretty much was saying that I joined the song. I've joined the eternal song. I'm in the family and I'm walking with Christ. And let me tell you, the gospel is fun to tell people that you love. It's hard to tell people that you hate about the gospel. But you know what Michael did? He took the initiative and he, he asked for forgiveness and we began to walk in new, fresh mercies in relationship with Michael, my former wife. You may say, that's a, that's a weird story. Well, if you think that's a weird story, then the gospel is weird to you. That's what the gospel is. The gospel is the reconciliation of all things, including the people that you hate. The gospel isn't just for people that you love and you feel good about. The gospel is for people that, that rub you the wrong way. Do you have anybody in your life like that? Do you have anybody in your life like that? You just can't stand when they come in the room, you walk the other way. The gospel's for them. You see, the gospel is not, this song is not just for you, it's for others. Fresh mercies demand fresh thanksgiving, and sharing Jesus is, is giving thanksgiving. Singing to the Lord in verse 2, bless his name, proclaim good tidings of his salvation from day to day. In a very basic way, this is what David is saying. Preach the gospel of his salvation every day. An Old Testament passage is telling us to preach the gospel every single day. God has given you a song to sing, but number two, God has given you a song to sing every day. Proclaim good tidings of his salvation from day to day. You are to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ wherever you are. Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm a preacher. Go ahead. I'm a preacher. Some of you wives are saying to your husbands, I know that. You've been doing that for a while. You're a preacher. Now, here's something that may throw you. Not only are you a preacher of the gospel, every day, wherever you are, you are a missionary. Say that to the person next to you. I'm a missionary. Good. You're commissioned. Go. It's as simple as that. You're preachers and missionaries. We make this a little too, um, uh, too formal. First of all, we are all called. Did you know that? We are all called to Jesus. We are called to Jesus. The place, our place, is where we live out that call. We are all called to Jesus, and our place is where we live out that call. Our first primary calling is to Jesus. That is our identity. That is the song that we sing. Your place is where you live every day. That's where you are. That's where you live out that call. We've been talking for the last year about domains, where we live out, and there's a map that we put up here, and I won't unpack it, but I want to put it up there just to remind you that every single one of us live in one of these areas, and some of you are saying, well, my circle's not up there. Well, then make your own circle. I don't care. Go ahead. <laughs> but you know, at, at our church, every day, most of the people in our church live in the area of education, economics, and medical, and they walk that out every day, and God is calling each and every one of us to reconcile every single one of these areas back to him. When we walk into these areas, guess what we're taking? The kingdom of God. You are to preach the gospel wherever you are. Whether you are a homemaker, a homeschool teacher, a doctor, an attorney, wherever you are, you are a preacher of the gospel. 
You are a missionary. The entire church is a missionary. And we are to see all things reconciled back to him. 1 Corinthians 5, 17 through 19 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things are passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to all of us the word of reconciliation. He is reconciling all things. When I tell my story about Michael and reconciling with him, that relationship led to all kinds of things because we were reconciling that relationship. But we were reconciling only because of what God had done in and through us. He wanted to see that that reconciliation happen. We talk about missions here at Hope, but let me tell you, missions begins with reconciliation in your heart. It begins with reconciling your relationships there in your place at work. Let me ask you, is there somebody, college students, is there anybody in your class that you just don't like? Any teacher you don't like? Any professor? Anybody at your work that you just don't like? That's the first place you need to go. I found that God always gives me one person that I can't stand in my life so that I can see reconciliation and the good news come to that person. You say, I don't know, I don't know who I need to go to. Go to the person you don't like. That's the one. Go have lunch with that person you don't like. Anybody in your family you don't like? That's where you start. We always want to do missions around those people. And Jesus says, no, 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 there's no door number two. This is not let's make a deal. Go to the person that you can't stand in your, in your domain. And you will begin to see that domain reconciled. Begin to pray for that person. Begin to join with that person. And you will see those areas reconciled back to him. When I think of these domains, I think of people like Pam Johnson who's here. Pam is, is, a, is, a, is a great woman of God. She leads women of influence. She sings in our choir. She's the, the wife of, of Teddy Johnson, our worship leader. But Pam came from a very troubled background. And some teachers were able to share Jesus Christ with her in that domain of education when she was a little girl. She never forgot that. She wanted to grow up and to love kids just like she was loved. She says this briefly about her story. I know that my mission was to teach young people that they can do anything with Christ in their lives every day. I live out the mission and I approach my job as a teacher as if some child's life is dependent on my reach. I love that I get to see God work, God at work in me every day. I know that if I get up and spend time with him daily, that he will show up in me. I love that. We need more teachers that look at their job as the kingdom of God coming to that classroom. And Pam is one, and we have other teachers in the room, and we're getting ready for the school, school year to start, and that is the kingdom of God coming to those classrooms. Some of you were... were or like others where you looked at those circles and said, I don't see my circle. Make your own circle. Lou Vidal is here. Lou is uh, on our staff. He's a facility technician. And Lou has had a new song in his life that has been birthed. In 2004, he gave his life to Jesus. But before that, he was a gambler. He was addicted to, to alcoholism. He was addicted to drugs. He had gone through marriages. He had lost a child. And he was at the end. But Jesus Christ came into his life and radically saved him in 2004, and he has lived every day, every day, 
for Jesus, allowing Jesus to work in and through him. Now Lou is leading Celebrate Recovery here at our church, and he is helping others that have come for where he is so that they can have a song to sing. And just a few weeks ago, we were having vacation Bible school, and some, some two little boys were needing to know Christ, and Lou was able to gather around them and take their hands, and there's a picture. And they were able to give their lives to Christ. You see, Lou is a facilities technician, but his call is to Jesus. The place is where he lives out that call. Does that make sense? Lou's here. You see, it's not about Lou. It's not about some strategy. It's not about some circle. We get it all messed up. We think, oh, it's, I just can't do it. No, just live the song that Jesus Christ has given to you. The call is to Jesus. The place is where we live out this call. And when we do that, when each one of us do that, we will see a different city. We will. There is no place in this city where Jesus doesn't say, that's mine. Nowhere. And you say, well, when I look at Las Vegas, I don't see that. Well, that's on us, not on him. We need to see everywhere we go, Jesus saying, that's mine. The M Resort, guess what? Mine. That's what Jesus says. The Rio, mine. The Strip, mine. The kingdom of God wants to come down in and through you and radically change the places and to reconcile all things back to him. Abraham Kuyper was a Dutch politician, a journalist, a statesman, a theologian. He was also the prime minister of Netherlands. In other words, this guy had it together. He was in all kinds of areas. This is what Abraham Kuyper said in late 1800s. He says, wherever a man may stand, whatever he may do, to whatever he may apply his hand, in agriculture, in commerce, and in industry, or his mind, in the world of art and science, he is, in whatever it may be, constantly standing before the face of God. He is employed in the service of his God. He is strictly to obey his God, and above all, he has to aim at the glory of his God. Wherever we are, that is where God's rule and reign comes. That is how we will see a different city. We will not see a, a better Las Vegas just coming to church one hour on a Sunday night. It is going to take each and every one of us to sing the new song in our hearts wherever we go. God has a new song for you to sing every day and everywhere. Verse 3 says, Tell of his glory among the nations, his wonderful deeds among all peoples. God has allowed us to live. In such a day where the kingdom of God is moving radically in the world like never before. We live in one of the biggest unreached people groups in the world. Do you know that? It's called America. God is moving all around the world. We live in a city where 95% of the people today didn't go anywhere. Not, they didn't go to church anywhere. They didn't even think about going anywhere to church today. But God is moving throughout the world. Josh is going to Portland. Most of the people there haven't even thought about going to church. It's radically different around the world, and God is moving around the world. But there are places around the world where we can go and to share Jesus for the very first time with somebody. And we have pinpointed three areas this summer we have worked. Honduras, Zambia, and Thailand. Three global areas that we have focused. And we believe that by engaging long-term in areas, we will establish relationships with people. 
where we will go back year after year, trip after trip, and get to, to, to meet people and have a relationship with people and to see their lives radically change and in turn, see our lives changed. Some of you today, you've never been on a trip anywhere in the world in the name of Jesus. Let me just tell you, those trips have been the most powerful, radical, transforming things that I've ever done in my life. I've heard great sermons. I've sung great songs at church. But there is something about going and being dead tired, living in a foreign country, being somewhere that makes you uncomfortable, that radically changes you. And we have people right now that are in Zambia, and you can be praying for them. Over 25 people that are now, right now, in Zambia, sharing Jesus Christ. This week, we are sending three people, Chase and Heidi and Rachel, teachers right here in Las Vegas. We are sending them and commissioning them to go to Thailand to teach teachers in Thailand about how they can, how they can raise the level of teaching in Thailand to minister to the kids of Thailand. Can you pray for them this week? Would you do that? Commit to pay for the, play, pray for this team that's going to Thailand. Because as we go to Thailand, as we go to Zambia, as we go to Central America, we are radically changed. We are transformed. Ben Connolly says this, We cannot see everyday mission and global mission as separate from each other. At the very least, Christians should be the most globally aware people on the face of the earth. Begin to think about where God may be calling you in this next year. Terry and Ruth Whalen, I got to spend time with them this week. I went down to their sign shop that they've had here for a number of years in Vegas, and it was so powerful to not only hear about what God is doing in and through them here in Las Vegas, but also to hear about how they have, have linked up with a pastor in Honduras, and they're helping this pastor in Honduras, Josue, and his family start a business so that they can not only minister and start this church, but also have a sustainable, reproducible business that will help move them forward so that they can have ministry that will go on and on and on in Central America. You can pray for the Waylands, but the Waylands said this to me this week. They said, it is amazing how little we can do for them and how big of an impact it can make there in Central America. It's powerful. I want you to, Reflect on what we've talked about tonight. A new song. Let me ask you. Has the song of your life grown cold? Has it become old and dull? The only reason that's ever happened is because you've drifted from the eternal song, Jesus. In a moment, we're going to have an invitation. I'm going to ask you to respond to what you've heard and Maybe you're like me. Maybe God is working on your heart tonight, not just to do work for Jesus, but to come to Jesus, to restore that relationship that has grown cold or dull. Maybe for some of you tonight, the music has just plain stopped. You came tonight, and you needed to meet Jesus. You needed something. You didn't know if it was Jesus or something, but you needed something, and you need to come tonight and respond, and we will have prayer counselors here to pray with you and to talk with you about where you are in life. Others of you, you're here today and your day has grown cold and dull. Maybe God is calling you to make that place of business or place of work or that place where you have a family. God is calling you to make that a worship service. You know, we come to worship service, but the place that we spend every day, that's a worship service. 
And he wants to reconcile your place of business. He wants to reconcile where you are. Some of you are thinking about what you do in life, in your career, and God is speaking to you tonight and saying, I want you to come to me, and I want you to do this profession in my name, and you need to come tonight and to pray before God and commit yourself to God because he is calling you to be a missionary. For others of you, he's calling you to go overseas. You don't know where. You don't know when. But God is looking for a yes on the table tonight. Are you willing to make that commitment to go overseas and to share Jesus to another other place? Thank you for listening to this message from Hope Church. We would love to connect with you, so be sure to follow us on our social networks by searching Hope Church LV.